Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today at Pathway Community Church's podcast. Our heart for you is that you would encounter God like never before, and you would begin to get a new, revitalized passion for Jesus and all that he has for you. If you want to find out more info about Pathway Community Church, please visit www.pathwaycc.org. Or to find out about some amazing upcoming events, go to www.pathwayevents.org. We just hope you have the best day and that God would do a miracle, life-changing work in your heart. Bless you. Thank you, Pastor Victoria. Oh, my goodness. Would you stand with me? I want to just open up our time in the Word with prayer here. Father, we've come in this house to worship you. We've come into this house to express our love to you. But we've also come into this house to hear from you. We need an encounter with you. We want to know what your heart is speaking to us. Lord, I'm just asking right now that you would um, remove distractions, any barriers that would hinder the word that is preached here this morning from going deep into our souls. But I also ask that you would motivate us to action. Lord, speak through me. Hide me behind the cross. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Some of you are like, wait a minute. I got gypped. I came to see Pastor Tony preach today. How many of you remember hearing about Pastor Tony preaching today's message? Uh, Pastor Tony is a little under the weather right now. I know he is watching us online. Hello, brother. I miss you. Uh, as well as our elder Bob Rohrbaugh, he is a little bit under the weather as well. And be praying for them. Uh, we, we did a little bit of a switch hit today, and that's all right. As I was sharing with our staff earlier, as well as our prayer teams earlier, it's funny because some of these things, they will, and, and brother, I'm getting a lot of myself back at me. Uh, if there's anything we can do to doubt, perfect. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But it's, um, we come into these types of situations, while things might be a surprise for us, how many of you know they are not a surprise for God? Amen. And so it's funny because sometimes when we have changes in our life, we can get to this point where we get to grumbly and get to be complaining about it and get sad about it and a little bit of, oh, woe is me. And we let everybody know how wronged we've been. Well, I can tell you, I don't feel that because there's a confidence that God, again, knows what's in control and it. He wanted this particular message for this particular Sunday for you today to hear. You are not here by mistake or accident. For those of you that are joining us online, welcome. You are not here by mistake or accident either. You need to hear this word. And, and uh, I promise you will be able to hear the word that uh, God has given to Pastor Tony here real soon. If you are just joining us here today, though, over the past couple of weeks, we have been discussing in our sermon series, Serial Killers, those things that can suck the life out of our faith, out of ourselves. And 
ultimately out of the life of the church, because the church is not a building, it's us joined together with Holy Spirit joining us together, amen? We've discussed over the past several weeks some very sneaky serial killers. We've talked about the serial killer of self, that being what happens when we fail to give complete control of our lives over to God. Remember that one where we, we were talking about who sits on the stool? It's still one of my favorites yet. We've talked about unforgiveness with Dr. Anita Marcassani, and we talked about how the enemy loves to use that particular tool to rob us of joy and vitality of life. We've talked about dissension and disunity, and we've talked about the importance of godly one-on-one confrontation. That is, when a brother or sister sins against us, we said that was missing the mark, that we are to go to that individual one-on-one, addressing that person in privacy. Been some good topics, haven't they? How are we doing with them? This morning, as we begin to wind this series down in preparation for Easter, I'll be addressing a topic that in all reality is so obvious and you're going to be like, duh, when you hear it. But it, it is so obvious that I believe we overlook it and actually miss it in the church as well as in our personal lives. To introduce today's message, I'm going to draw your attention to this screen for a few moments. We're going to watch a little video. If we could put that up there. Really? Isn't that phenomenal? So they taught you how to fold the napkins? Yes. Oh, wow. I actually, believe it or not, I know how to sew, fold the uh, Sydney Opera House. I don't believe you. No, no, I really do. I, I, I can totally show you. Stop. I'm very excited. Good evening. Oh, good evening. Have you um, dined, dined with us before? Yes. Actually, this is our favorite restaurant. Welcome back. Uh, no, babe, I'm pretty sure we've never been here before. No. That's weird. Really? Uh, yeah, no. No, we haven't. Hmm. Oh. Hold that butt just one second. I'm really, really sorry. Oh, no problem. Yeah. So what would you like to order this? Uh, yes, sir. So you know what? I think I would like to have that salmon. That, that sounds absolutely wonderful. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Oh, great. Yeah, you'll like that. And for you, ma'am? Oh, um, I will have the filet mignon and the New York strip and the eight-ounce sirloin, all medium rare, please. Yes, fantastic. That is a great choice. <laughs> Thank you. I will get those right out to you. Babe, that's, that's kind of a lot of food, isn't it? I'm not just ordering for one, you know. Wait, are you? Are you telling me that we're... Are we expecting? Yeah, he'll be here soon. It's a boy? Oh, my... Yeah, of Oh, my gosh, course. babe. Okay, this has got to be... There he is the... now. Wait, Hi. What? Oh, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm late. Mm. Uh. <laughs> I ordered for you. Oh, thank you. You know me so well. <laughs> uh, 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 I'm sorry. Do you, do, do you two know each other? Do you yeah, guys... he is my boyfriend from high school. Your, your boyfriend from, from high school? Babe, can I ask you what your old boyfriend's doing? <laughs> uh, did I come at a bad time? No! Yeah. I really don't see the problem here, Justin. Yeah, I really don't see the problem here. Okay, who are you? Honey, stop, you're embarrassing me. I just wanted us to have one nice night at our favorite restaurant. Okay, first of all, I've never been to this restaurant. And, and second, what is going on? Hey, babe, sorry I'm late. Did I miss anything? Okay, seriously? Hey, you, 
right, you, you take your hand off her and you, what is going on? Just sit down, it's all right, it's all right. Angela, is this, is this some kind of joke? Are you, are you actually seeing these guys? Justin, I've known these guys longer than I've known you. Wait, what? Are you seriously jealous right now? Jealous? Angela, in case you forgot, we're married. Okay, and we spend the majority of our time together. I'm, I love you more than any of my other boyfriends. That's why you'll always be my favorite. Your, your favorite? Is, is there anyone else I need to know about? Babe, is there a problem over here? Okay, really, the waiter? No, Dennis, we're All fine. right, seriously, no. Good, food will be right now. Oh, okay, Angela, Angela, all right. These guys need to go, and we need to talk. We're done. I cannot believe this. You are being so selfish. Selfish? Why do you always have to make everything about you? You ruined our favorite restaurant. <sighs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've still never been to this restaurant. Thank you, thank you, Dennis. The salmon is delightful. So, did you propose to her here too? Okay. Did you get what's going on? James chapter 4, verse 4 says, you adulterers, with an explanation mark. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be Faithful to him. I know it's kind of like right between the eyes. But this lines up with why I believe Holy Spirit has directed us to this series in the first place. Satan and his minions have no qualms in stealing an abundant and blessed life from those who follow Jesus. So should it surprise us that God wants to instruct us on what we should avoid so deliberately, emphatically, and clearly? He's concerned. Our daughter Jordan is pregnant, a little baby girl on the way. And I've been thinking and praying for this little one already and just thinking about my, my parenting in the past and, and just some of the things that are all of a sudden going to be reintroduced to us. And as I was thinking about this particular message and how direct it is, to, to a certain point, it's so direct that our culture, even in today's church society, would be like, oh, why can't we like soften this up a bit? But I was thinking about the little girl that's on her way to the Dinger household, 
And as I was thinking about this little girl, I was thinking about some of the things that we've had to instruct our own children with, like we don't put our hand on a hot stove. Do we flower that up? Do we pretty that up? What happens when a child is going towards that hot stove? No, don't, you're gonna get burned. I was thinking about how we will keep our children from running into traffic. We don't take the time to to flower that one up either, do we, or pretty it up. No, don't, you're gonna get killed. I was thinking about, and I missed this lesson because I still clearly remember this one. We don't put silverware in the light socket. (laughs) All right, that's something I've got to teach this little one. Yes, I still remember that feeling. We, We don't pretty up the fact that we don't want our children running around with knives or scissors, right? Because it's for their good. It's for their health. And and God says the same thing. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Why? Because it will rob us of the vitality and the life that God has in store for us in that relationship that he has for us. But what's happened over time? Over time, we've said, oh, God is so mean. He's so cruel. He's so harsh. He's this. He's that. And, oh, all those things, they're just, they're the fun things God doesn't want you to participate in. I want to share with you, church, that there are things that God warns us about because there is not fun at the end of the road with them. In fact, there's death and destruction. It's come up a couple of times today. If we are not right in our relationship with God, we must be concerned about the eternal consequences of such Misalignment with the things of God. Friendship with the world, James says. And this is not a mistranslation. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. To the point where it's almost absurd as the video that we just watched on those screens today. We come into a relationship with God. We covenant with God And there is an expectation that he is our sole focus in life. But when we bring the things of this world to the table to join him, we're bringing the very things that are unholy and that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross to forgive us of. It becomes insulting to him. Now, as I was writing this particular message, I realized that I definitely need to clarify something here. You see, sometimes when we hear a passage and and we look at it on the screen, if we could see it one more time, it says, again, just as a reminder, that James passage, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? We need to understand the context of which this is being written in. It is being written into believers and the, the challenge to them to remove themselves from the practice of the things of this world. But it does not mean that we are to isolate ourselves from the world, okay? I understand, because I've lived it, that there are some that would believe that means that we cannot have anything to do with non-believers. Nothing could be further than the truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 to 10, if you've been caught under that spirit of religion, let me release you right now. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 10, when Paul writes this, he says, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But now we're going to see some clarification come forward from the Apostle Paul. And he says this, but I wasn't talking about 
unbelievers. Hear that. I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You hear what he's saying here? You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Paul says, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. What he is saying is that as you engage with the body of Jesus Christ, if someone is still engaging in the things of this world, the practices of this world, to which it is interfering with their relationship with God, Paul says, back off because they don't have the spirit of God within them. But when it comes to our outreaches, our things that we're doing to engage, i.e. York, and this community in South Central Pennsylvania, which I am just so grateful that God has brought us to because I see the opportunities for people to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I see them left and right all over the streets. He's saying, don't church, don't disengage from them, but rather run to them with the hope that can come. Yes, with the hope that can come only from the message, the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. But if we're engaged with the things of this world, and the Holy Spirit's just downloading right now even, thank you, God. If we're engaged with the things of this world, all we're going to do is confuse people from the world that come into our church if there's no difference. All they're going to say is, what's different? You just want my money, right? You give these nice offering, please. You want my time? You want my talents? What's different, though? You don't look any different than what I'm walking out on the street. And God would say, don't engage with the things of this world to where they become a part of who you are and interfere with our relationship. We're to be light in darkness. We're to be salt in the things of this world. I came across an article in my preparations for today's sermon. Of all things, it's a, a Christian author, a professor, and a blogger. And he comes from a cold case homicide background. He was a detective, an atheist. But I love, I love these atheists that really begin to disprove the Bible or set out to disprove the Bible and God's word because ultimately what we end up seeing is so many of them converting to Christianity following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In this particular cold case detective turned professor and author, his name is uh, James Warner Wallace, and he talks to the church in his, in his particular um, sessions that he writes to the church and his blogs and that, and he talks about a time in his own life where he got caught up in a sitcom. Do we still call them sitcoms today? I, I've lost touch. I'm starting to get a little bit older. You know, and I'm, I'm starting not to care anymore either what I've lost touch with. <laughs> so I think that's a sign I'm getting older. Uh, but anyway, so he, he was caught up, he and his wife, with this particular sitcom that wasn't the most glorifying to Jesus Christ. Uh, come on, truth be told, we've been there. We know, what, we know what we're talking about. And he writes this. He says, Paul was right when he said that we would have to leave the world altogether if we wanted to truly 
separate ourselves from the immoral, worldly people. That's not what God is asking us to do. He says this. The fact that you might be in a location where your Christian worldview is being challenged, hear, hear this, the fact that you might be in a location where your Christian worldview is challenged, the fact that you might be in a location where your Christian worldview is challenged, i.e. everywhere today, right? Amen on that one. I could go with another represent right now, Courtney. Thank you is not necessarily a bad thing. In other words, the challenges that we are facing today are not necessarily a bad thing, but we've got to hear in what aspect. God may have placed you there so that you can have a positive impact on those who do not yet know Jesus Christ or at least to learn more about the culture that he has placed you so that you can influence it later. Hmm. But here's the challenge some of us find ourselves in. He goes on to write about his, his self-confession here. He said, but while my wife and I were located in front of our laptop watching the shit... The, <laughs> <laughs> How ready am I? I can already see it on Facebook. <clears throat> What are we preaching on today? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so he says, well, my wife and I, I'm going to try this again. We're located in front of our laptop watching the sitcom. <laughs> Woo! This was not the issue that concerned me. My, current, my concern was simply that the repeated exposure that the repeated exposure to the worldview expressed in that show was having an impact on my worldview as a Christian. It was starting to change the way I think. That's not always the case for me, but there are times when I've caught myself now repeating some objectionable phrases or embracing some ungodly concepts simply because I heard it repeated in some movie, in cable show, or series of conversations at work. And it's one thing to be located in these environments. It's another thing to draw from them as a source of information and behavior. You see the difference? Church, friendship with the world in the drawing of their influences and behaviors to where it causes us to be a people of action in those things, the things of the world, for the world, is what God is referring to here. We place ourselves in a position of which we can see the blessings of God removed. You see why I said this is one of those ones that it's, it's so obvious, yet it's, 
so important to be reminded of. As I was preparing this, I kept asking myself, what motivates me? When I get up in the morning, what motivates me? Many of you have heard my background in business, and, and one of the motivations that I had was money. Addictively, um, I became a person of pursuit of the latest and greatest interventions. Being around high-powered people that could think strategically and creatively. God's, God has wired some people just with brilliance. And I love being around those people. I love being on the cutting edge of things. And what motivated me in getting up and staying up late and working at all hours of the night and pushing forward and traveling this world was simply that. Money. My motivation was success. My motivation was what's the next best thing. My motivation was what can I see two years ahead of the general consumer public. That was my motivation. Until God, until God stepped in and spoke in such a way that I could hear his voice. Say, this isn't what I called you to. Was he being mean? No. I, I certainly wouldn't be here had I kept on that path. He was being merciful and saying, do not become my enemy. I had a choice. And follow the things in the ways of God. In course correct, or I could continue to pursue that which was not of him. This is a serious serial killer. Just within the last couple of days in, in preparation for this message, I, I was just watching the things that we are bombarded with. Consider, just consider your daily commute. From billboards on I-83 to graphic statements of decals on cars at Bannister and White. I, I'm, I'm just, I dread the day that I'm going to hear my grandchildren just learning how to read and sounding out the bumper sticker that's in front of them. And then ask the question of, oh, what's that? Think of, think of the, the Netflix series that are challenging on a daily basis our, our moral compasses, witchcraft in cartoons, advertisements on Spotify, news sources. I haven't watched Fox News in the last week online because all of a sudden I was getting these ads for women's clothing that weren't clothing at all. I'm like, I said to Joel, I said, How, what in the world? We are, we are bombarded with the things of this world at an unprecedented pace. And the enemy is just trying to grab whatever he can. The sight of or the, the sins of the flesh from sight to hearing to smell to, to the inner needs of desires of pride and all those particular things. We've got a real dilemma in front of us in one of our Acts that it's going before our, our federal governments right now. The Equality Act. That will impact the church. That will impact society. Church. 
are we going to continue to embrace and clamor after those things of the world? Are we going to finally just stand up and say, wait a minute, stop. God has called us to this. God has called us to holy living. And that hasn't changed over the thousands of years. Even our COVID vaccines are going to put a moral challenge in front of us. One of our manufacturers is using aborted baby parts to develop. I heard it, and then I researched it. I heard it. Where will you stand? 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Oh, I didn't misread that. If your heart is clamoring for the things of the world, it's time to take a stop, a pause, and reflect upon why is my heart clamoring for those things? Because if God is alive and active within you, there are checks going constantly to you about stay away from this. But if you're not hearing those checks, if we so ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit that we can no longer hear them anymore. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And I love this truth. This is what gives us hope. This is what says, hey, there's something better out here. This is what causes us to, to level up. This world is fading away. We are seeing that. Along with everything that people in other words, the things of this world that's being offered to you, it's going to fade away. If you've ever moved recently <laughs> and you're starting to move those boxes, and you're saying, oh, wait, I, I haven't seen this in years. And then the thing that makes me more sick is I remember desiring that thing, begging Julie, hey, can we get this, please? <laughs> Fades away. It's the things that moth and rust destroy. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. What an amazing thing. So how do we deal with this serial killer? And is it really worth it? I found a neat example that I'd like to introduce to you today. It involves your Bibles. If you've got a leather Bible, get them, get them ready. And then I'd like you to take a piece of paper. Get a piece of paper in your hands. If you don't have a piece of paper, grab that Engage survey, and you can put it in your Bible, and then God can tell you which one he wants you to sign up. But you're going to use it right now for, for this particular exercise. This Bible, let's just say, represents Jesus Christ, okay? We know it's the Bible, we know that the Bible was given under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but for this exercise, this Bible represents Jesus Christ. This piece of paper 
represents you, okay? Jesus Christ, you. When we come into Jesus Christ, when we come into a saving relationship with him, just stick that anywhere. Stick that piece of paper right in there, okay? You are in Christ. Where the book goes, you go, okay? Where the paper goes, he goes with you. Now, while you are not Christ, I'm not saying you, you become Christ, you are identified totally with him. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what does your identity show about him to those that are in the world? It's a simple, it's a simple lesson. You are in Christ, which means the enemy cannot, on his own will, come and pull you out of Christ. God doesn't give him that authority. But what can we do? We're in Christ. We can say, hey, Jesus, I, I, I'm, I'm looking over here at this stuff. I kind of like that. Uh-uh. Uh, Jesus, I like that stuff over there. I like that. Hey, Jesus, what about that? Hey, Jesus, whoa, I like this stuff. We can pull ourselves out from Christ, can't we? In him, the enemy has no authority over us. That is why Galatians tells us, oh, do not allow yourselves to be bound again by a yoke of slavery. Sometimes we get this misperception that, okay, I entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We just sit there and say, okay, Jesus, make everything all good. I'm waiting. And we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. I've seen it. And he's saying, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. You need to mature in me. We've got action that we have got to take. We have got to move and act and have our being in him. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, for those of you that are doing small groups and you're using the sermon series as a baseline for, uh, for these particular uh, study groups and these lessons, go to Ephesians, if you wouldn't mind, 1 and 2, write it down, and go back through there and look at what was given to us. For he chose us, God chose us, in him before the creation of the world. He's adopted us to be sons and daughters in Jesus Christ. He's given us the one he loved, Jesus. He's given us forgiveness of sins. That's just the first start of chapter one. He's given us the Holy Spirit so we can know him better. He's given us hope. He's given us power. He's given us great riches in him. What is there that we are missing? Nothing. What we buy into the lie of the world that says, oh, God is holding back. I don't know. Ephesians 1 and 2 tells me that I'm made alive in Christ, that God has given us everything, and that he considers us his own. I don't see anything that he's held back from us. Which means that ultimately we rob ourselves when we allow ourselves to buy into the lies of the things of this world. I stop and I think about, I was just writing down uh, here just recently, 
the issues of benefits of being in Jesus Christ as a result of this particular message. Think about these, just these simple things. They're so monumental, but they're simple. God changes our trajectory from hell to heaven. Right there in itself, boom, that's enough. He changes our trajectory. If that doesn't get us excited anymore, something's wrong. People are dying and going to hell. They need to know Jesus Christ. And if it doesn't, if we could care less anymore, something is off. God changes the trajectory from hell to heaven. He forgives our sin as Becca led our children in today. He heals our wounded hearts. Oh, if your heart's broken, he can heal that heart today. He gives us grace. He gives us peace. He gives us joy. He gives us hope. He gives us a future. He gives us authority. He gives us Holy Spirit. He promises rewards and inheritance in heaven. And he gives us eternal life with him. He gives us the right, unbelievable right, to approach God in prayer, in wisdom, in needs, in conversation, in any of the things that we face every day. You might be alone. You might be isolated in COVID. You might be in in quarantine right now. But God is with you right now. You can have access to him. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been given access. He gives us favor and protection as his kids. And these are just off the top of my mind, just a quick scattering of of thoughts here. So what do we do? How do we re-engage at a level that brings us back to where God is at the center of our life? Can I take you to 1 Peter 4? And we'll be closing with this passage. Actually, we'll close with 1 Peter 4 and James 4. 1 Peter 4, verse 1, says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. In other words, it's going to cost. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you to stand up against the things of this world. As I was looking and studying at this particular verse, I was reminded of a time I was, I think, a sophomore in high school. I was a ball player, both soccer as well as baseball. And uh, my, my baseball skills were, they were good, but my, uh, my hitting was kind of like average. And so I remember before the start of a season, now sports visualization, and I'm dating myself, was just coming into play. When I say sports visualization, it, it essentially means that you're, you're thinking about where you're at on the field and you're, you're imagining, you're visioning how you're going to execute the play or the pass off or whatever it was. And so I was on the early edges of the sports visualization and I remember tying a, a swing, a tire swing in the backyard on one of our trees. So I wanted to improve my hitting. And I would get up to that swing, and I would just close my eyes. Here's the tire. You've got to imagine this tire here. And I would just, I would imagine the, pit, the pitch coming from the, from the pitcher. And I would imagine that pitch coming in, and I would just hit and 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 hit. To the point that when the season started, I heard one of the coaches in the background when I cranked one. I thought those were limited flight balls. I mean, I remember this thing just launching. And every time that pitch would come, I'd launch and launch and launch and launch. 
What had I done? I had prepared myself to visualize how the pitch was coming in. I had perfected my swing. I had perfected all the mechanics of that swing to the point where when the ball came, I could connect with it and move it further than anybody else on that team. It's the same thing in the faith. Arm yourselves with the same attitude that Christ had. In other words, Christ knew that he was the son of God. You are the children of God, i.e. your daughters and sons of God, adopted. But he knew who he was, and he knew that the enemy and the world would not receive him, but it would be hell on earth around Jesus Christ because the enemy wanted to take him out. That's the same attitude he's called you to arm yourselves with. Know who you are so that when the attacks come, when the temptations come, you are ready to launch them out of the park. Remember I also said there's James chapter 4? Oh, just a treasure trove. Note takers or camera holders, get ready to take a picture of what's up on the screen. James chapter 4, verse 7. Coming out of this friendship with God thought process, James says, okay, you want to be successful? I'm paraphrasing here. Then humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. In other words, you have got to put some stake in the game or skin in the game. No! Pastor Tyler said it the other day, no touchy, not my area, not my assignment, not the people God has called me to, no touchy, enemy. Resist them. It's a process. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. We're doing it here today. You're doing it online. You draw close to God. There are groups that you can get to be a part of here at Pathway so that you can draw close to God. You can learn more about God. There's one on Sunday mornings at 8.30 that engages with drawing in to the the heart of God. Nick Rohr and I saw Nick over over here. We're starting a class after Easter on on addressing this very thing of being countercultural. But we've got to be deliberate with it. We come close to God. He comes close to us. And this is my favorite one here. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Now, I know this is gross. (laughs) Ever been in a public restroom? No, you know where I'm going, right? Somebody comes in, uses uh, the facilities, will be polite about it. They come and then they check their hair in the mirror, might throw their hand under the water for a second and just walk out and you're like, gross! Oh, come on, I'm not the only one that's seen this. Come on, right? In order to wash your hands, you got to get the soap on them. you got to get the, the friction going. you got to get immersed in Jesus Christ. Wash your hands. The simple act of the washing does something. It connects with you on the internal side. And as I'm washing my hands in Jesus Christ, I'm giving him permission to change my heart, to purify me on the inside. Whew. 
humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up in honor. But it all starts with that peace. Do not love the world or anything in the world. For the love of the Father is not in them. Are you ready to say no to the things of this world and yes to God? He has so much in store for you, Pathway. We can't even begin to know or understand it all. He has so much in store for us. We've got to keep him first. Commit ourselves to him so that he will be given all those glory and he can use us mightily. Let's stand. There are some in this room right now saying, I don't even know the voice of God between the voice of the world right now. Can I encourage you after we close? Don't walk out of this room without having dealt with that. You are not here by mistake. God changed the order of our messages to meet those that are listening right now. Don't miss it. He's calling you. Just as he called me many years ago, he is calling you because he loves you. And after we close... We're going to have some prayer people up here. And they would be more than happy to pray with you and to get your footing right with God. If you're online, if you reach out to the number that gets put up on the screen, the email address there, you can reach the office at office at pathwaycc.org. We'll get a prayer warrior, an elder, or pastor to talk with you as well. But I can tell you that today can be a change in your destination. You can walk out of here right with God. As Morgan continues to pray, I'm going to close us in prayer. She plays on that keyboard, and then I'm going to invite Pastor Victoria to dismiss us. Pastor Victoria, could you come on up here? I'm just going to start in prayer, and then Pastor Victoria, if you could just pick up in prayer and then bring us to a close, I'd be grateful. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for this, this word that just hits us all right between the eyes. I thank you that, that you are God and that you care and that you love us. Father, forgive us where we've made the world more desirable than the things of you. Help us. Pastor Victoria. So Pastor Jim, you referenced Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, but right there in the middle of Ephesians 3, Paul says this, when I think of all this, all that's been shared with us this morning, friendship with the world, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. 
So this is another holy moment God's bringing to us because this kind of message requires a response. And so this is something that you ask the Holy Spirit right now. You don't have to rush out of here. But we get messed up. We get kind of jacked up during the week. And the world rushes in on us. And Satan comes in with hooks. So right now, you ask God. You ask Holy Spirit, where, where have I bought a lie? Where have I found a hook that's kind of connected to my heart? Because if we will humble ourselves, if we will go to the Father, he will show us. So prayer team, if, you, if just a couple of us, if you could come on up. So ask Holy Spirit, don't rush out of here. Do business with God. Let God do business with you. I, I was sitting over here asking myself, God, friendship with the world means I'm an enemy to you. I don't want it. I don't want it. So this is that moment to say, God, have your way. I surrender. If there is any wicked way in me, if there's any place where I have just crossed the line and didn't even know it, do you know Holy Spirit is eager right now to tell you? There's no shame in that. There's no condemnation in that. He's saying, come on back. Come on back. So if you need to, just want to bless you. If you need to go, if you need to get kids, then may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you. May you continue to walk in his glory and his grace. May he just fill you with wisdom. And most of all, as you walk out these doors, may you be filled with the love and the presence of God. Take it with you as an aroma everywhere you go and be blessed in the name of Jesus. And we're not rushing out of here. Allow God to speak. Allow Holy Spirit to have his way. How attractive would we be as a church, as a people, when the hooks are gone and we walk in a way that makes the world go, what do they have? What's different?